This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore, the usual suspects of Tom Ward and Andrew Greasley. Plus, I'm pleased to say we're joined by a very special guest, Richard Shaw. He signed with Coventry in 1995 from Crystal Palace and made his debut away at Queen's Park Rangers. Richard went on to make over 350 appearances for the Sky Blues and scored just one goal, which came away from home against Gillingham. Richard, thank you for joining us this evening and sharing your Sky Blue story. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And I just want to sort of kick off this evening from, from what it was like originally before you started at the Sky Blues. Um, you, you know, you grew up not far from London. Uh, you signed for Crystal Palace uh, and actually went on to play in an FA Cup final. And it's, it, it was a lovely, it was a great upbringing. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I played a lot of football. I played football every day, which, which kids don't seem to do now. You know, and it was it was you know your district, your county, your school, and it was it was a time when you know you could actually go and sign for other clubs as well. You know, and I had one night at Southampton, one night at Wimbledon, one night at Paris, one night at Chelsea. You know, and it, you, you you could do that. Like I said, I don't agree with it now, where kids are basically stockpiling the academies because they want to fulfil fixtures and not doing the best for for the boy at times. Whereas back then it it was fantastic, and you got a different different flavour of clubs, different variety of life. And it and it and it and it was an absolutely fantastic upbringing, and it was it was a difficult upbringing because you know I come from a family, one parent family. Um, father passed away when I was very young. Um, we we did all we could in terms of looking to survive, shall we say? You know, and and it, and it, and it, and it was difficult times at times. But I have to say, you know, with, with with the love we had and bits and bobs and friends and family helping us out, shall we say? You know, my my upbringing, I wouldn't change it for the world. It probably probably made me the character I am today. You know, I'm not shy of hard work. I, mean, I, I tell a story where where I, I did a, I did a cleaning job for two years, 
um, at a company called the Mortgage Corporation, my two-year scholarship at Palace. And I was waking up at half past three, set the alarm, four o'clock I started cleaning in the morning uh, until six o'clock in the morning. Then I used to get three trains up to Palace, um, clean again because I was cleaning boots and stadiums and the training ground and playing football, of course. But I've done it for two years. And, um, you know, if, if we were playing a game away at Southampton or Tottenham or something like that, we'd get back at one in the morning. Uh, by the time I've got a train home, I've bunked the train, I had my money. Um, don't don't recommend that, by the way. <laughs> but but also, you know, then I, I walked home because I had no money for a taxi. So you're walking down dark alleys and things like that. And, um, and you know, then you'd have two hours sleep. I'd be up again at 3, 3.30, ready, ready for work as a cleaner. And, you know, I was only more money cleaning than I was than I was at um, I was at Crystal Palace at the time when I was a scholar. But it, it kind of defined me as, as who I am as a character. Um, so, and, and the reason why I tell the story is when kids say to me now and they're late for training because they've missed a train, I'm like, we get the train before. You know, I, I just I just won't have it as an excuse because I know what I've went through and I've been your age and I've sat where you've sat and I know the sacrifices that need to be made as a young lad. Commitment, yeah. You know, and 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 for them to turn up late, et cetera, et cetera, then I, I just won't accept it. And so that's why I, that's why I sort of told them that story at the time. You know, so so yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Wouldn't change it for the world. Really enjoyed it, and um, and like I said, it, it defined me as a person who I, who I am today. And the FA Cup final. Tell us a little bit about that. You know how the sort of day was and the the occasion and and sort of how proud you were walking out onto sort of the Wembley turf. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what? It was a brilliant day. And and, and I'm not saying I took it for granted because I think that's the wrong thing. But because I was quite young playing in the FA Cup final, you kind of think, this is great. We're going we're gonna to do it again. You know, we do it every year. I remember being John Slarko sitting in the room going, this is great, isn't it? I mean, how, many, how many more of these we got? And we're like, we never, we never, I think the closest I got to the semi final in 95 again in the court final with Coventry in 98, I think it was. But you just, you just, um, it's just the most amazing day. And it's something that you can, no one can ever take that away from you. You played in the FA Cup final. Yes, we lost. We were seven minutes away from winning. It's probably one of the best FA Cup finals at the time. And I do think the FA Cup is now devalued. I have to say, I really do. Um, yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real shame because it's such, I mean, I, I, I mean, as a player, I kind of look at it and I think, I look back at, I look back in the careers of players and things like that and, and some players win the you know, most amazing trophies in this. Now, of course they do. But what would you rather do? Would you rather win the FA Cup or finish fourth in the league? And I'm like, for me, I'd look back and think, no, I'd rather win the FA Cup. I mean, yeah. imagine telling your children, oh, I remember that day back in 1998 when we came fourth. How good was that? Rather than people talking about an FA Cup final, everything about it was just brilliant. From from the players' pool with Eric Hall, you know, we had to wear these big sunglasses to make sure we were getting paid. <laughs> we had this newspaper called the Today Newspaper. And we made sure we've got the coach. Eric be sending a text. Make sure you open the newspaper and read it so everyone can see the logo. And <laughs> we had we had uh, high tech high tech that paid money to players, Paul. And the lads who had Adidas and had all kinds of boots. All the boots were like blacked out, and we had like a high tech high tech logo, Tipex gone with white paint, and just just to make sure we got paid. And oh, it was singing singing glad all over in a, in, a, in a studio live and. You know, you look back and you just you just can't you can't replicate them times because they are the best times in life. When people say about playing, playing is the best time. Managing a coaching for me it is what it is. But playing, you just you just can't. The camaraderie with the players. When you play Manchester United and and that, that year as well, we'd beaten Liverpool four um, three in a semi final, uh, which was just the most amazing semi final at Villa Park. You know, and, and bearing in mind we'd lost to Liverpool 9-0, you know, I think in September of that year. 
I mean, to overcome that sort of mental headache. Not a bad turnaround, yeah. And then to end up in an FA Cup final, which, which to be fair, we, we probably should have won, if I'm going to be honest. And then the replay was was really a flat affair. You know, it was almost after the Lord Mayor show, so we say, you know, there wasn't much action in the game. It was decided by by a, a goal from Lee Martin, um, breakaway from United, and they scored. And, and I think it might have been Sir Alex's first trophy and the rest is history for Sir Alex, obviously. But um, following a year in a cup of this cup. But for us... For us, it was a fantastic occasion. When you get there, you want to win. Of course you do. But as a young lad, taking, taking, walking out of Wembley in front of 100,000, your family are there. And, you know, it was just one of the proudest times. And, and I used to, I mean, I'm a big football fan as well from the 70s and 80s. I love, I love watching football in them eras. I really do. I, mean, I can tell you the great Ipswich team and the Villa teams that won the European and Nottingham Forest teams that came up. You know, I, I I just loved watching football. I really did. You know, Bayern Munich and Ajax size of 73s and 74s, 75s. And, and, you know, to walk out of Wembley and them teams have done that, you just like, you feel so proud and you feel so humble as well. But you just feel like, what a great achievement. You know, I'm going to really enjoy this day. And, you know, the guys that play in regular finals, it must be like a, it must be brilliant for them guys. But for us, it, it was a fantastic day. Shame we didn't win it. It really is, but I'll never forget the occasion, never. And moving on from the uh, cup final, Richard, you were involved in a infamous night at Sellers Park with a certain Eric Cantona and a yeah. Kung Fu kick. Uh, tell us more about that night, Richard. Well, that was a that was a really bizarre night. <laughs> it was one of them ones where, I, I mean, I think I think every, every year I think a reporter phones up about wanting, wanting a quote about it, and I, I, I did keep quiet for a few years. I have to say, I did because I read a lot of tosh. What I've been said about it, oh, I was kicking Eric out of the game, and this and that. It, it never happened like that at all. It was a myth, and you know we had no instructions to man mark anybody because who do you man mark at Manchester United? Andy Cole just signed for seven million. They had two of the best wingers in Europe in Kanchelskis and Giggs. You got two of the best midfield players in in Europe in Keane and Ince. And where do you start man marking people? You, you just, it's impossible. So so that was a myth, full stop. And it was just I just think they were getting frustrated. Eric had done it a couple of times during during the season with John Monker, I think, at Swindon, and John Pulse at Norwich. It was just one of them things where Eric had that little bit of devilment. And, and I really like that in players. I really like that in players. I think that's nice to have. I think it's great to have. I like, I like to see it in youngsters. A little touch of arrogance. Yeah, this is me. I, I, I quite like that. And Eric had that. And I think he just got frustrated, really, with, with how the team was playing. It was nil-nil. They really had to get a result. And, um, you know, he just he just saw it wasn't even a kick-out. It was more like a trip, really. And, Next thing you know, someone's come down from stadium, obviously said something that Eric took a dislike to. And the next thing you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's got six studs in his chest. And um, it's incredible when you look back at it, because I used to think, well, there's been a lot, of, a lot made of this. But in a way, it's probably unprecedented, you know, and, and people, someone, you've never seen it before. You know, I doubt you'll see it again. I haven't said that. Patrick ever, I believe, has done it at Marseille. Um, but it is, it, it is a hell of an event, I have to say. And, the funny thing is, I think it was um, after the game. I think Gary Parsons tells a story when, after the game, everything what Eric done and the, and the carnage he caused. I think I think Sir Alex after the game was basically going because we drew one all in that game. Um, I think Alex, Sir Alex turned around to Brucey and and Gary Parsons and just literally ripped him. Said, "You see, you two with a with goal and this and that." And he was going through the team. He just, and I think he just literally said to, to said to Eric, "Eric, you can't do that, son." And then just move on to someone else. <laughs> and I think they're thinking, yeah, I've heard that story. It's caused the most carnage you've ever seen. 
you know, he's been suspended for eight months, and and that was why that's why Sir Alex was probably the best manager we've we've certainly in my lifetime we, we've ever seen because of how he handles the big players. You know, it would have been easy just to just to have sacked Eric, but he knew what Eric did for that football club. You know, he made he kicked that football club on another level. He really did. I've I've got no bones. I, you know, I would never speak bad of Eric. Never in a million years. And I think some reporters I've given up trying with me now because I I just refuse to do it. And I'll say about Eric. I said he's one of the best players I've ever played against. You know, and that team's one of the best team I've ever played against. And I've got nothing but but so much respect for Eric Cantona and the way he played football and how he played football. And I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. And you know, if that's a, if that's a talking conversation, brilliant. Wouldn't life be boring if he'd never done it? It really would. So. <laughs> So I've I've got no problems with it, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And Richard, you were signed for the Sky Blues in 1995 yeah. by Ron Atkinson. Um, how did the move come about, and and what was Big Ron like as a manager? We we'd got well ago at the Palace, and a lot a lot of players left. I think Gareth went to Villa, and Chris went to Blackburn, and so And I, I'd probably done it the wrong way. I think I put a transfer request in. I've been in the England squad that summer uh, for the Umbro Cup against Sweden, Brazil, and Japan. You know, I was really desperate to stay in the Premier League because of that, you know, and a few overtures from other clubs. But again, I, I probably didn't do it quite the right way at Palace, maybe, because I said, rather than just do it um, with a bit bit of decorum, I, you know, I was a bit leery at times, you know, and this and that. So so I just thought, well, the next club that comes in, I'm going to go, because they already turned down two sort of sort of conversations with clubs and that. And um, and, it, and it was commentary. And, I, and my first thought was, well, oh, I don't know about that one. I'm not too sure. <laughs> And I'm, I mean that in the nicest way because I, that's I, what we like I, as fans. I've, I've spoken to I've, I've spoken to the clubs. I've spoken to a couple of clubs in London, and that's roughly where I wanted to stay. And you know, my, my first my first thought was we just bought a house in in the Surrey area, and I'm having to move. That was my first thought. So all these things went through my head, and then I drove up to see Ron and 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 Gordon. And do you know what? I think from the first time I met I met, I met them both, I, I just so I just so enjoyed it. I so so enjoyed. I mean. I, I enjoyed the training ground because better than where I was at the time. And, you know, speaking to Ron, I think the first question he asked me was, was I sat down and he goes, all right, son. Goes, all right. He goes, how, you be, how, would you, how would you mark Les Ferdinand? That was his first question. Didn't even ask me how I was. Didn't even ask me, you know, what's, what's <laughs> your thoughts brilliant. of coming there? It was straight into football. And I, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And mm. and Gordon popped in, said hello. And, you know, they just made me feel so welcome. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I like this. I'm going to, Ron was telling me the good areas where to, if you're going to purchase a house and, at the time, I was thinking, I was sort of thinking, well, I don't know if I will purchase house. I might, I might end up staying up for another, I'm staying up for a year, claim homesickness, and go back down south or something. You just don't know, you know, because it's my first, my first foray away from, out, out of the London scene, shall we say? But it, 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 do you know what? They couldn't. The, the guys up there couldn't have been any better. I have to say, I, I had a bond with Paul Williams straight away. Noel Whelan signed literally a couple of days after me. You know, so I, I big powered up with, with Noel, you know, one of the best young players I've ever seen, ever seen, you know, he was unbelievable, Noel. And, and you know, I'm sure we get <laughs> sure we get round to Noel later on, but it, it, the, the lads made me feel, the, the, the staff made me feel very welcome, and Ron, Ron was a part of that. And I, and I just thought, the only thing I think when, when Ron left, possibly, possibly, I think we could have done better, was, you know, Ron was a big flamboyant character, and he'd been at Manchester United and Villa, you know, Manchester United had Brian Robson, Kevin Moran, Norman Whiteside, Stratford's mm-hmm. a player. Villa had Ray Alton and Kevin Richardson. And these guys have won league titles. Paul McGuire, Dean Saunders. Mm-hmm. At West Brom, we had, you know, Batson, Curringham, you know, Cunningham, Cyril Regis, uh, Len Cantello, Peter Barnes, Ali Robertson. All, the list goes on. And they just needed guidance, really, just a little bit. But us at Coventry, we needed not just guidance, but coaching. We needed proper coaching, intense coaching, because 
We weren't as good as Manchester United players. We were as good as Villa players at the time. Of course we weren't. And I just think that maybe that's where we could have done a little bit more. And I think that's when Gordon took over. That's what that's what happened. But but with Ron, you know, he used to come out, he used to love a five aside. Gordon would set the kit up, one would one would kick it all to the to the touchline and put a five aside in, and then we'd we'd have a laugh and a joke, we'd do cross and finishing, and Ron would be out there as a right back with his predator boots, big Ron on them and everything like that. And he blamed Dion Dublin for missing a header and Dion had no chance of getting onto a cross. It was a ridiculous cross from Ron and it was just really good times. But then there was a serious side to him as well. You know, and I think also when we was in a relegation ball, you could see see the sort of pressure sort of coming coming upon people. You don't like to see that sometimes. You know, people change and it's, it's more of a difficult time. But but Gordon was probably the right came sort of stepped in at the right time to be honest. But but like I said, I, you can only speak as you find. Uh, and I've got on really well with Ron. And it's a shame how he how he sort of left the football arena as such when. You know, he's really doing well for commentating that. You know, he's obviously said he made he made that comment about Mass Marset Dessay. But for me, uh, again, I, I know players have been critical, but for my, I can't speak for myself. I've I really enjoyed him. I've really enjoyed his company. I thought he was terrific, and he's done a lot for me, a lot for me, and he's done a lot for black players throughout his whole managerial career. So, for me, he, he, there's no there's no doubt about. It. He's not racist. He just an ill informed, just an ill advised comment, shall we say? But. You know, I think everyone's made a mistake in their life. God's sake, you know they really have. And mm. I've got, I've got a lot of time for Ron. You know, I, 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 he does great for me. Can only speak as you find. You were involved with um, many great escapes with the Sky Blues, yeah. shall we say, Richard? And <laughs> just a few. Uh, can you talk us through the one which sticks out in my memory? It was the one at White Hart Lane, White Hart Lane in 1997? Yeah, that 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 one was incredible, and mm. and, and, and I don't think you'll ever see anything like it again. I genuinely don't. You know, I, I genuinely tell you that. I, I, I remember, I'm going to talk to you guys before. I remember, it's funny because Gordon's track was really witty, you know, as you can mm. see from his interviews at times. Oh. I remember I remember we had, a, we had a pre-match meal and I never used to like eating before a game. I, I was I was weird like that. I used to have different pre-match rituals. You know, I, talk, I talked about it as I go along, you know, I was just different. I didn't like to eat before the game, I liked to eat by myself. I didn't want to speak to no one, you know, everything like that. I remember saying to Gordon, I should skip pre-match. At, we was at Wolfram Abbey that time. And I said, I said, Gaffer, what time are we down? And I sort of meant what time are we down to, to meet the coach. I said, Gaffer, what time are we down? And Gaffer just made a, made a light and it goes about quarter to five. And I just started, and, we, and the lads just started laughing because, you know, he's thinking, obviously, down being relegated. And he sort of said quarter to five. And he, and he just put us all at a little bit of ease of, of how we sort of set us up um, on the way to the game and in the changing room. He was, he was great like that. We, we, after the game, we're like, People crying, you know. People, the emotion just got got to everyone, and I, I, st- I still have goosebumps now when I think about that day because what, what had we achieved? Yes, we stayed up. We hadn't won a trophy. We hadn't won nothing. We 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 we'd stayed up, and in itself, that was a hell of an achievement because it's probably the best league in the world, best league in the world football. Everyone wants to be in in England playing in Premier League. Um, they do, you know. And 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 you look at it and think we we we've we've earned the right to have another crack at this. And obviously, it was a catalyst, really, for the next three or four years, which were really, really good, enjoyable years. But the supporters played such a great role that day. I'd, I mean, it would have been easy for supporters to think, well, we've got to, we've got to rely on Middlesbrough not winning, uh, Sunderland not winning, and we've got to win. I mean, you just couldn't make it up. God only knows what odds you'd get if you went to the bookies and said, right, Coventry to stay up. It would have been, I don't know, 500 to 1. I have no idea. But it was just, it all happened. And the fact we kicked off 15 minutes late um, added to the pressure as well because Spurs mm. brought uh, two young players who had got to 2-1 and they started being a bit lively. I remember myself and Willow having to have a word of them, you know, and saying, oi, just calm down, you know. <laughs> we we want to stay up here. I don't care about your 15 minutes of fame. 
You know, it's not anti anti Warhol here, mate. It's just like calm yourself down. Here. And and I remember Oggy making a couple of unbelievable saves. I mean, that man, I just love that man. It was just incredible. And he made a couple of really good saves. And you know, the rest is history. But I remember kind of to, to the fans in it. And like I said, it would have been easy for them not to turn up. But they were just unbelievable. And I know the commentary fans have been through quite a lot the last 10 years, 15, 20 years, shall we say. But then the fans that day, I mean, I've still got pictures. I've got pictures in my books at home and this uh, in, my, in my office. And I'm just like, what, a, what, what an absolute fantastic occasion, despite it being a relegation battle. You know, I, I bet mm. Gary McAllister's played in Championship League winners. You speak to Gary now, he still remembers that day like it was yesterday. And and it was yeah it was just and it brought us together. I actually thought that 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 day defined us and brought us together the next couple of years as a real team. You know we were a really tight knit group. You know and the support's a real part of that. And um, and I think that was probably um, one of the most remarkable games I've ever been involved in. We uh, we had Gary McSheffrey on the pod recently, yeah. um, and he mentioned that Gordon Strachan was always testing the players. Yeah. Um, just wondered from your perspective what Gordon was like as a manager, and and have you got any good stories for our listeners? He's 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 the best manager, one of the best managers. Him and Steve Coppel. I mean, Alan, Alan Smith done brilliant for me as, as a U team reserve manager. I mean, he was my probably my, my, my second father because my father died as a young lad, and, and Alan Smith was a real father figure to me. So I owe him so much. And, and and Steve Coppel, obviously, but when I, when I went to when I went to Coventry, Gordon Gordon sort of turned me into not just a stopper or a, you know a man marker and, and things like that, but he 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 made you a better footballer. You know, he made me a much better footballer. My awareness became better, and, and this and that. And he was a fantastic coach. And I look at everything he's done for um, for the for the players at a football club because you know he, he took Dean up another level. Dean Dean got in the England squad. You know, mm-hmm. he, he could have got the '98 World Cup squad. He took Darren Huckabee up another level because Hux, Hux was sold to Leeds for a few million. You know, George Botain was bought for 250 grand and sold for four million. You know, uh, John Artson, all these pay, people, Craig Bellamy coming, made Craig a better player, Bobby Keane. You know, he, he has touched every single one that 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 came into that football club and made him a better player. You know, but he was he, he was absolutely brilliant and he and he was great with us, the senior lads, because. We basically ran the change room, and I listened to Gary's podcast earlier. Actually, funny enough, and he alluded to that. I remember Gordon calling about seven or eight of us up. Myself, I think Gary, Matt, David Burrows, um, who else was there? Um, uh, Paul Williams, Paul Telfer. He said, "Right, you run the change room. You make sure you run the change room. Make sure it's right." And he started saying, oh, "I'm a bit concerned about Noel and this and that, blah blah." So we don't worry, Gaff. We look up, make sure we make sure he's fine, this and that. Anyway, I think that weekend Noel went out to a house party and got absolutely battered, and he was in hospital on on a drip or something like that. Wow. So, so we obviously <laughs> hadn't done our job. But in terms of in terms of going to see Noel, we was like we was looking at him thinking, oh, that's when Noel ended up staying around Gordon's house for about two or three months." Just to make sure he was like um, sort of looked after as such, but it was brilliant, Gordon, because he had he had, he had a fear factor, you had a real fear factor about him, because you know he could he could lose his temper, um, but we had, we all of us had so much respect for him, you know, because of his knowledge, um, because of because of the character he was, because of his demonstrations he used to work on, and you know I, I said earlier, I, I, you know, I, I sort of used to, I was on Twitter for a bit before I come off here. And, the government's handle of COVID nineteen. I was going to get us become an angry man, so I thought I'd make it off Twitter quite quick. And then like, but like Gordon was great, you know. And I've heard people on Twitter sort of say, "Yeah, but he got relegated." No, he didn't. He didn't. It was the club selling all the players yeah. that got relegated. That's what that's what got relegated. 
Gordon had built a fantastic squad of players. He had built that, you know, he had, and he, and he, he created that atmosphere and environment for us to go and work in. So it wasn't Gordon that got us on again. I defy anyone um, to, to, to lose the likes of George Boateng, Dion Dublin, Darren Huckabee, um, Gary McAllister, um, all, all them people at, at the time. There's probably more as well. I, I defy anyone to lose them to a squad and, and, and try and do well the next day. And by the way, not replace them. Not replace them. You know, which which again was difficult in itself. But he was he he was he was incredible. I mean, he, he like I said, I'm on my we had a we had a Christmas do, and I've, I don't think I had my fancy dress outfit uh, myself, and I think Paul Williams or whatever. I'm, I'm, we tried to finish training early to go and pick our outfit, something like that, and and we were so scared of walking down the corridor in case he caught us that we was like literally, I went to out the changing room door, was like, it's the gaffer about, it's the gaffer. You know, and, and we see him go up the stairs, and we literally sprint out because we were so scared in case he caught us. He knew what we was doing, and that's 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 the respect we had we had for him. But I mean, I've, I've seen him fly off the handles so many times. I remember, I remember, I remember the time we played at West Ham, and we lost five nil at West Ham. The Coventry fans might remember this. <laughs> it was like I think Magnus Hedman must have annoyed him at some stage along the line. But Gordon had this thing for having a great memory, absolutely brilliant memory. So. You just think, right, you, you, you've, you've paid him off, but you know he's going to come for you at some stage. So don't try and do anything wrong. So we've got beat 5-0 at West Ham, and uh, myself and Colin Envy, I think, have played, and a few of uh, them. And, and, and Magnus hadn't had the best, the best of games. And he just came in, and Magnus started ripping us, uh, the back four, absolutely ripping us, which I've got, I've got no qualms with anything like that. Right? But the fact Magnus hadn't had a best of games himself, when I mean, you've considered five goals, it's, it's quite tough to, to think you've done all right. And it's like, finger. Yeah. So like, I remember Gordon coming in and telling shut up, and he just he just ripped into Magnus. And one of the funny things he said, and by the way, where was Sweden in the war? And he just pulled that one out. So like the English were fighting the Germans, and the Swedes were high and became and became a neutral company, uh, a neutral country. And he started going, where was Sweden in the war? I tell you where they were, <laughs> neutral. And they were absolutely <laughs> shit themselves. That's what they did. That's what you did today. And he just continued to rip. And and we always had them things with Gordon that we knew. If he if if we'd done something wrong, we knew he'd, he'd, he'd locked it, he'd logged it in. And I remember being at uh, I, I remember being at Newport away in the preseason friendly, and Oggy never come for this ball, and and Dion doubling where I remember Dion going back, and basically Dion a kind of like um, sort of humiliated Oggy in a way. I don't think he meant to do it like that, but he was like counting up steps, basically saying to Oggy, "This is what you should have done." You know, and, I, and and Gordon just went. We come to change him up. We lost three one. It's a preseason friendly. We lost at Newport. And Gordon come in and he just ripped uh, all of us, you know. And we're looking at Oggy and 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 he's and he's like, that man there, you see that man there, he's absolutely paid for your house, he's paid for your cars, he's paid for everything you've done. You've got so much to thank that man for, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there thinking, just a minute, he's got the biggest house by the training ground. He actually ain't done too bad in life, <laughs> by the way. You went with us for you. And it was like hilarious. And then he got this container, which was on the, on the, um, uh, uh, Fizio's bed and he pushed his container I'm never it landed on Gary Pendry's foot and Gary Pendry was desperate to scream out but he couldn't because obviously Strax was in a rant and it was, it was in full flow so he couldn't but I mean things like that you just they were brilliant and it, and it brought us together as a team so we all, we all took a bollocking we all took a bollocking at some stage um, but we knew when we needed it he, he was right when we needed it but also he was great when we needed when we needed coaching and we were serious he he also he also had a that fantastic side to him as well. Brilliant side, brilliant manager, brilliant manager. And, and again, your speakers are fine. And there'll be people listening to us thinking, yeah, but he got us relegated. No, he didn't. 
he didn't. He, he done as much as he could to put a squad together. And when you're selling the band of players, and I had the same thing at Crystal Palace when we lost Ian Wright, uh, Mark Wright, Jeff Thomas, uh, Andy Gray, and everyone started getting sold off. It happened then. You know, and if, if, clubs, if clubs do that, I, I don't know what they expect. You know, but, oh, you, I mean, he, he was just brilliant. He was absolutely... And, and the fact I stay in touch with him now, and the, the fact I still call him the gaffer, you know, he's, the lads talk about him so, so well. You know, he looked after the lads when he retired and things like that in terms of taking the boys to Celtic and he, he come down with Celtic with me for a testimonial. So, you know, we must have done something well for him, that's for sure. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And you spoke about Dion Dublin. He looked to fans like a true leader on the pitch, but what was he like as a character, I suppose, both on the pitch and, and maybe in the dressing room? Uh, it was, it was what, honestly, what, just, just what you said. He was a leader, absolute leader. And I actually didn't know how good he was until I went to Coventry. I played against him several times um, for Palace, but when I went to Coventry, I didn't realise just how good he was. You know, I thought he was just a target man, flick it on or head it in, something like that, but he was so good, close control, and he was a real leader. I mean, he he got that group together. We used to he used to organise nights for the with, the with the players and the wives and things like that to make sure with that team spirit. Or I mean, back in the day, you could go down the pub, and you can't do it now because it's because the game's not like that now. But you know, after training, we might go for a, go, go for a, go for a beer after training all together, and you know, just talk about football, talk about life. And there was a real togetherness. And Dion was the was the, was the catalyst of that. He really was. I remember when I first went in, I kind of crossed him in a way. I crossed him and and it, was, it, it would have been easy for him just to come in and just just, just whip into me. But I remember Ron Atkinson saying, remember Ron Atkinson, he was a very good man management actually. He called me in training one day and um, I, was, I, was, I wasn't at the best of times, I have to say, at the time. And he, and he, and he said, and he remember saying to me, he said, have I, have I signed a twin brother? Have, I, have you got a twin brother? I went, no. He went, well, who have I signed? Because so, this ain't quite right, you know. And I'm, then I started off blaming the centre forwards for, <laughs> for allowing for allowing them for allowing the opposition to get the balls in too easy to my centre forward. So we said, right, okay. So you blame the centre forwards, okay? And I said, well, no, not in a way, but it's too easy. I think we've got to do a bit of work on that. And of course, I leave the office. He called Dion in. He calls Dion in. And he says, Dion, you know what? I've just said, Mister Shorty, just Shorty, just coming here. Just said, you're not working hard enough up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he honestly, Dion came downstairs, and the easiest thing to do would have been to pin me up because I've been pinned up before and I've done the pinning up. But Dion just said, Shorty, come here, a couple of words. And he took me into the physio's room, and, I, and, I, and he, he just said, Look, what have you said to the gaffer about? He said, blah blah. And, and he, he started, he, he started to apply, he started to have a real pop in this. And I said, Look, I didn't mean it to come out the way he did, but he did. I knew I was wrong. And he just said, right, come on in, let's go down the pub, let's have a pint, you can buy me a pint, we'll have a talk about it. And that's what we did. And then we started talking about the game, and then Dion said, right, okay, I've got to do a little bit better, but you've got to get a bit better at yourself at getting tired of this and that. And we talked about it. Whereas nowadays, you'd end you up having HR involved or something like that, or something <laughs> going wrong. But we, we talked about it like real men, but but he was he, he was he was fantastic. And and he was he was Mr. Commentary at the time. You know, he was he was he was such a focal point of everything we did and, you know, playing balls up to him, Huckabee scoring goals, people working off him, Gary Mack set pieces, Anfield away, one, two, one, and the old near post set piece kept working all the time. You know, he was a real, but he was a real leader. He was a leader on the pitch. He was a leader off the pitch. And do you know what? I, I see him now, how well he done at Villa. Um, you know, you, you, you can just see, you can just see now what he's doing on TV. It doesn't surprise me because, you talk to the Villa boys, they all say the same thing. The minute he went to Villa, he was a leader. He was a natural-born leader. And um, you know, I think he gave Coventry fantastic service in five years. Um, absolutely yeah. brilliant. 
brilliant service, bargain. Two million for Manchester United, absolute bargain. And, you know, he's done absolutely fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful fella. Great fella. I know we touched on Noel Whelan uh, earlier. Um, How good was Snowy? And do you think he should have played for England? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. He was... I I I never played against. I think I played against Noel once. Was at Leeds and he was a young kid. Mm. I didn't sort of really sort of realise. And again, it's one of the ones when you play with players, you you, you understand how good they are. Noel Whelan, in my opinion, Noel Whelan, and, and I know he had Irish. Uh, I think grandparents. So he could have played for Ireland. He had a little bit of Ireland. I know he had. I know we had um, uh, a lot of under twenty one caps and eighteen caps with, with Fowler and Neville and that. But mm. I remember saying to him because I, I I got quite close to Noel because we used to drive in. I used to pick him up. Um, he was at Morton Moral and I used to drive in with him and um, we both sort of signed at the same sort of time I remember having a conversation once he, he was eligible to play for the Republic of Ireland and I remember saying to him I said because at the time England had uh, Bobby Fowler Sheringham Ferdinand Shearer I mean, they, had, they had a plethora of, of centre forwards I said no you, you could have 50 caps for Ireland easily easy if you, if you put your if you put your mind to it and you've really started focusing you, you'd have 50 caps easy for Ireland you know and, and I've, I've heard uh, Gary, Gary talk about I've heard several people talking about and Hux listened to Hux every day um, on a podcast and Hux was saying the same thing you know and I, and I, I, I probably agree you know, I, I don't think he quite fulfilled the, the amount of ability that he had he, he should have he should have been sat here now like I said 50 or caps for Ireland plus and I think he should have gone to World Cups you know but for some reason I don't know it, it, it was always it, it's hard for me to say actually because I don't I don't want to sort of disrespect or anything like that because I think he was he was a wonderful player, brilliant player. I mean, some of the goals he scored for Coventry was amazing, yeah. but it's one of them ones where I, I kind of think he could have done a little bit more if that makes sense mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of for himself, you know. Because I think he done a lot for other people, but I think he had another gear to go up as well. As good as he was, you know, I, I think he could have played for a top six side. I genuinely believe that when he left Coventry, I know he went to Middlesbrough. And and they were buying players at the time, but I think he could have gone to 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 a big a big top six time. I, I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that. You know. Do you think? Do you think it was more to do with off off the field kind of antics or? or yeah, not? yeah. I mean, I, I, that's probably yeah. I, I sort of tried to say to allude to it. As well, but <laughs> but I'll I say think, it for you, Rich. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, I think a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people know off field and that. You know, he, yeah. he, had, he had a few issues, of course. You know, and. Obviously, I think his Achilles, Snapper's Achilles as well, and incidents and things like that. And of, of course, like I said, we extract that into the office, and next thing you know, he's he's been involved in altercation with someone at a party, and he's, he's in hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't help. Of course, it doesn't. And you know, but that but that was just that was just Noel's character. Um, and I think as he, as he got as he got older, I think he matured. I think yeah, we all do. We all do stupid things when we're young. Of course, we do. And you forget he was only twenty one. Yeah. Um, at the time that he signed, and yeah. you know, as you get older, you start to. You, we all we all get wise, and you see hindsight is a wonderful thing. Of course, it is. If if Noel looked back now and thought maybe I could have stayed in on a Thursday night or something, or maybe prepared better, or maybe taken it a bit more seriously, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm putting words into my yeah. mouth here, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe just maybe you might look back and think, Do you know what, maybe I could have. You know, whereas I, I know I was different. I, I never had the talent Noel had, so I eat out every little bit I possibly could. I mean, I, I never had Noel's ability, but Noel's ability was just was just ridiculous. You know, he could run all day. It was the best in pre-season, you know, and, and, and he also did, I mean, the goal he scored against, I think it might be Southampton. He took about four or five players at Highfield Road and then he finished it. It was just, 
you, you couldn't make that up. It was, it was just, such a bad pitch as well, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, shocking pitch, absolutely mm. shocking pitch. And but but I just I look at him the things the goals he scored some of the goals I've seen him score away at Wimbledon a volley in the corner with that black and black and black and red check check team kit or whatever we wrestled horrendous kids back there by the way didn't we but but I look at some of Noel's goals against Leicester and you know it, it, we we talk about Hux and we talk about Dion but I think we've got to put Noel in the same in the same sentence you know I I, I know Dion was in the England squad and I know. Hux was up for Young Player of the Year in '98, I think it was. But I'd put Noel in there with him too, in terms of ability, 100%. You know, he, he, he had an unbelievable ability, unbelievable. It's just a shame we didn't see didn't see enough of it at times. You just touched on there um, some of the some of the kits that we had back in the day. I, I, I really enjoy sort of collecting some of the retro shirts, especially the the Coventry ones in the '90s. Yeah. You've obviously played in in a few of those shirts. What what's your favourite, and, and what might what perhaps be your least favourite shirt uh, in my, your, at your time in commentary? My favourite shirt, hands down, was 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 uh, was in in, in, in uh, there's two. I've, I almost said that there's two. Uh, the one in '98 when we had a dark dark blue and sort of sky blue uh, stripes, but we had the Coventry bad sort of embellished. Yeah, central, mm. and it had dark blue shorts with a, with a trim and a black and a dark short. I love yeah. that kit. Mm. Like, yeah, it's a favourite. And yeah. as an as an away kit, we had it all white, and that was lovely as well. It really was. Um, I thought they they were probably two of the best kits. You know, I thought and you thought it was a proper player wearing them kits. But I think the night <laughs> the ninety nine kit as well. I was lucky enough to have one player of the year that that year ninety nine, and I really enjoyed that kit. Um, it's got sky blue, sky blue, but it had like stripes, different sort of white dark blue but a bit more subtle a bit mm. more light a bit more lighter blue so i really really enjoyed that so them two kits them two kits for me really stand really stand out the worst kit for me was <laughs> i think we played it girl chelsea and it was uh uh purple purple and yellow <laughs> oh i've got that yeah. one i like that one <laughs> <laughs> you know what we was in the changing room we was in the changing room and we was like we're at the fashion. We're at the fashion capital of the UK. We're in the King's Road. We're in Chelsea. And look at what. Look at what. I remember walking out in the picture and Gary Mack was laughing. Goes because I remember Gary Mack saying, "He goes, Shaws, we're in King's Road. Look what. We, look what we're wearing. Look at this shambles." And we was all laughing about it. To be fair, I, I I didn't like it. I mean, look for some. I mean, you could go through all the retro kits and Comtree must have had some belters with the brown kits and things like that. Yeah. Some belt, the green kit. Uh, the green, the green. I think it was a green one. when I come in '95. Yeah, um, that was shocking. And then, and then we had a kit, uh, red and black checks. When that Chelsea wore, mm. yes, yeah, <laughs> it's iconic. That Chelsea wore because they, they had to change kits. And and we were doing it, open the door and started going. You lot got to change kits. And we're like, hang about, we're at home here. There's nothing to do with us. You should have bought a yellow kit. I remember rowing and I remember the Chelsea lads taking their kits off and just throwing them on. We beat them 3-1 that night, I think. Yeah. I remember the Chelsea lads just front and back the book, just throwing their kits. So disrespectful. It's like like it's our fault we had to change kit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like incredible. Incredible. But I have to say, them, the kit of 98, uh, I loved it, a 99. Um, the, the one after that, 2000 was right. The one we got relegated in, I didn't, I didn't particularly like. Um, but... but uh, I think 2006 when I left, um, that kit wasn't too bad. My first had a Rico, it wasn't too bad, but it w- wouldn't be in my top, my top, top three or four. It wouldn't be mm. there. The 98 one, I thought 98 one was just fantastic with the with the badge on the front, and, and I, that that was probably the best kit. 
if I had to pick one, I'd pick that one. The Sorry. 90s kits were, were the best, weren't they? I think these days they've yeah. they've got a bit templated now, a bit predictable, but you can't beat the old the old 90s kits when they were very bespoke. Ah, oh, they, they were brilliant, weren't they? They were really good, you know. I'll I, I, I go back even further. I mean, I, I love the kits. I'm a sort of West Ham fan. I remember collecting West Ham kits from the 70s and 80s and the Man United kits with the three stripes down the side and the white kit. Every kit was sort of individual, but now I think the brands make them very much the same, but just different mm, colours. It's very commercial now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very, very much so. You know, Coventry have had some belters for, for the years, that is for sure. <laughs> Richard, what about, so for fans, because we had the two-tone kit that came out this year and it was yeah. when it was launched, everyone absolutely, you know, went mad for it. But And, and in the lead-up to sort of kits being announced, I know that the club have always sort of had the players involved and um, in the launches and stuff, but how much as a player did you look forward to new kits? And was it was it sort of exciting or was it just it's part um, of the uniform yeah for, for, for me I can say honestly, for me it wasn't really it wasn't really a massive it wasn't really a big deal for me it was just like I'd look at it and I'd think I like that and I'd look at it and I'd think well I'm not sure about that but you have but, but the kit is they, 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 they've they've produced that kit and they've signed that kit off so that's what we've got to play in so we haven't got <laughs> yeah. much to say um, but I, I, I also feel sometimes you, you look smart play smart you know I also think when, there's nothing like nice like putting but for instance, one of my rituals, amongst many rituals, was I had to have a new pair of socks every single game. So I had the socks in the packet, so I made sure when I took them out, I knew they were stretchy, and I had to have brand-new socks every game. So that probably peed the kit man off. But but I, I enjoy putting brand-new socks on. I don't want to put socks on that someone else has worn, or stiff or anything like that. So there is something about that with the kits, that if you do look good in the kit, I mean, if there's some wonderful kits about. I mean, I remember like, Arsenal's kit when they had their, I think it was the Pune one type fit. I thought that looks really good, and I've seen some, I've seen some wonderful kits. But in terms of in terms of Coventry, the, the two tone kit, I, I thought that was brilliant. I have mm. to say, I, I thought it was brilliant. I remember tweeting about that at the time. I thought this kit is brilliant. I absolutely loved it. You know, I'd have actually driven up to Coventry and paid and paid for for one of the yeah. kit. I would have done. I thought that. Whoever designed that, whoever designed that, I just thought that was, that was brilliant marketing. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic kit. It really was. And the, I mean, the reach of it as well. I mean, I'm, I'm even seeing tweets in the last few days of people who aren't even Coventry fans who are buying it as a collector's yeah. item. So the yeah. the global reach of that kit has just been unbelievable. Fantastic move from the club to, to bring that yeah, out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, actually. I'm glad to hear that because, because like I said, I, I, I just thought, when I looked at it, I was on Twitter, I looked at it, I thought, wow, wow. And it's sometimes it's, it's good to hear good news because the Coventry have not, not had such good news in the past few years, obviously, with everything that's gone on there. But when I saw that, I just thought, that, that is, whoever designed that and whoever's marketed that, I thought, give yourself a pat on the back. That was lovely. Absolutely lovely. And obviously, we spoke about lots of memorable games and, and who, you know, different players that you've played in that. Highfield Road was obviously an extremely yeah. special ground for fans, players, um, and, and managers alike. What was it like to play at, and, and what sort of special memories do you have of, of Highfield Road? Well, the first, the first, the first thing, the first thing I would say uh, about it, for me, we should never have moved. That's my opinion. <laughs> uh, we, we should never have moved. And and do you know what? I, I, I get. I understand. I, I really understand when clubs try to chase the dream. And, yeah. and, I, and, I've, and I've seen the club I support West Ham, and I think they've done it, but they've got up to 60,000 capacity. And, and I kind of, them big clubs, I kind of get it because I think for many years, Manchester United were getting 75,000, 80,000 at Old Trafford. They were turning up millions on a match day, millions. Yeah. Arsenal were at Highbury with 38, Chelsea got 44. And you, you can't compete with spending power of Manchester United because of that. And I think, I think the days of people now being more brand awareness 
um, and moving on to these big new stadiums now, like Derby. And Derby have got, I mean, obviously, um, um, Arsenal went to the Emirates, obviously Tottenham's new stadium. I mean, they are fantastic stadiums. Let's not be honest, they are brilliant stadiums. But I just thought at the time, I thought where Coventry was at Highfield Road was about right. I think capacity was 24, 25,000. Um, we didn't fill it out every single week. Yeah, Manchester United kind of town, we did, we did, we did. I thought the yeah. atmosphere was brilliant. I thought, well, where the club was at the time, I thought it was, it was, it was absolutely perfect. And I loved playing at Highfield Road. I absolutely loved playing at Highfield Road. The Rico Reno, I, I just like, I don't think it was ever full, really. Uh, maybe apart from my testimonial, I think they had Middlesbrough and they'd have a couple of wolves or something like that. But it was, it was, it was soulless, absolutely soulless. You go in there, there's nothing of sky blue in there, the grey concrete in there. And I, I just didn't get trying to, you're trying to chase a dream when you're selling players. And then I'm thinking, hang about, you, you want to move to a new stadium, but you, you're, you're quite happy to sell all the players off. It, the, the whole thing just didn't make sense. And as players, we, you know, we, we saw that and, I, I just thought it was really bizarre. I thought it was really bizarre moving to Highfield Road. Yeah. I, I was gutted when we left. Because I, I, I still speak to people now who used to go there when I was when I was playing there. Mates of mine, the big Chelsea fans, going, oh, we used to love going to Highfield Road. It was brilliant. Turned up at Coventry, walked down. It, it was great. Great stadium. And it was about the right size. And it was a really good atmosphere. Um, you know, am I being old school? Yeah, I probably am. Am I being sentimental? Yeah, I probably am being sentimental as well. But I just didn't think there was any need for us. Um, from where we were, I think, did we move there in the championship? We did, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, so even then, I just think, if you're in the Premier League and you're guaranteed them gates, I kind of get it. But when you're in the championship and you're not guaranteed them gates, that's just massively for disaster. And obviously, the, the, rest is, the rest is history. But in terms of that stadium, I mean, I, I remember um, beating Tottenham 4-0, an unbelievable game. We beat, I think Marcus All scored that day, so it was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I remember the Manchester United game one three two when when Hux scored that unbelievable wonder goal. Um, you know, there's so many, so many, so many good games um, that 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 we played there. You know, I, I sort I've sort of lose count. Liverpool, I know we beat Liverpool there. Uh, Noel, Noel scored two goals. We beat them two one. Uh, Noel scored and George Botang scored. You know the memories. The memories come back. Everton three 0 I mean, when Foggy scored that wonderful goal mm-hmm. from outside the box in the top corner. You know, Dion the Newcastle game beat Newcastle five one, and Dion scored with, with Shea Given holding it out, and Dion scored, and Willow hit a belter. I mean, the memories are just they're just brilliant memories. They really are. And and I always thought I always thought there you had a better, better atmosphere because behind one goal was all the ardent fans and. You know, it was just a, it was a, it was just a brilliant, brilliant ground, a great atmosphere, and it's, you know, yeah, I know the, the stadium's now more modern than that, but I don't think, for me, I just didn't think Coventry needed to chase a dream, not at that time. I just, I, I just, I just, I just think keep keep the squad you got, keep the players, you know, don't sell everyone off to pay for a stadium or rent rent a stadium, whatever it is they did in the end. It, it was, it's a real yeah. shame. It's a real, real shame. I have to say, and Arsenal, yes, I, I get Arsenal. 38,000, they're winning titles, they're in Europe, they had to move because you can't compete Manchester United. They've got a new 60,000, I, I get that. But I don't think we were really in that position to do it. I really don't. And it's 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 such a shame because, you know, I, I am being sentimental here. I had such good times at Coventry, that, that period. And, I, and, I, and I'll be open and honest enough to say, I'll probably say between 97 and the, 2000, 97, you know, 2000, I thought that was some, we played some wonderful football at Highfield Road and some great games. And I thought it was probably one of the best periods of my life, let alone football. 
But yeah. I just enjoy, I enjoyed life because the club created that environment for me to work in. And it was just brilliant. I, it was absolutely, I mean, the lads we had there, um, we used to walk in a changing room. We used to get a changing room about eight o'clock in the morning just because the banter was flying, you know. And, and you, you know, like Carlton Palmer, you know, Gary Callister, you know, Steve Falkett, Mark O'Neill, Liam Dace, you know, Dublin Telf, Snowy, Hux, Burroughs, Thor- the list goes on, you know. And it's such a shame. It's such a shame that the clubs ended up going down the leagues and, and for me, that I think that could have been, I think it could have been avoided, with with better planning and, and you know structure, shall we say? Just just to oh, we don't sell high for one and go to Rico Reno, and win the championship at the same time. You like it just doesn't make any sense. But but it, it didn't back then to us then, and it still doesn't now. To be honest. Talking of characters, um, you de- developed a really good partnership with Willow Paul Williams at yeah. the back. Yeah. Why was that partnership so good? Do you think, Richard? Well, do you know, do you know what? We, we're both we're both quite we're quite, both quite a sort of biggest character, shall we say? We both mm. we both got an opinion, um, which which is great, and probably got us in a bit troubled at times and things like mm. that. But I'm, I remember I remember having a, the same the same um, um, partnership with Chris Coleman, at Crystal Palace. We're we're both best mates, really best mates, you know. And and the beauty of it is, we should say it as it is. So if Chris if Chris was was not going, to, I would literally bollock him, or we bollock me. We'd have fights in the changing room, you know. And Willow was the same, and he was exactly the same as Chris. And you know, you just and Willow's one of my best mates, and it still is now. You know, and you know, you just had this rapport with someone. And he he used to tell me as it was, and I told him as it was. And we used to look after each other at the same time. You know, so if he wasn't performing, I, I'd hammer him, and he knows that, and he accepts it. If I wasn't performing, oh my god, he gave me both barrels, and I accepted that. Nowadays, oh my god, you can't. I oh know he's telling on me. I can't do that. And I've got to go on Twitter. And let everyone know that someone's told me off, and it's just madness nowadays. It's absolute mm. madness, and 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 I'm not saying back in the day this and that, but you could have you could have an argument without anyone being offended, and it was just brilliant because we just it just worked, and I was I always felt I read the game quite well, so I'd, I'd cover Paul, Paul would cover me. I think because we were such good friends, we really looked after each other. Now I'm not saying we, we both had that relationship with other centre halves or anything like that, but if I was playing with with, with Mo or Brainy or something like that, I never quite had that same rapport that, that, I, that I had with Willow. And I think mm. Willow Willow felt the same. And I think if you ask Gordon Strachan now, I think Gordon talked about it before, you know, if he left one of us out, you know, we just make, we just, we just make sure when we play back together again, we've done it right and this and that. And, you know, and, and Strax would always bring a centre-half in it. You know, I don't know whether it's just to cheer us up, but I remember a guy called Jean-Guy Villem came in. Oh, um, yeah. Belgian. And, yeah, and his first game yeah. was with Newcastle, Shield just trampled all over him and scored about three goals. Mm. And I think I'd been left out for that game. Anyway, I was in the next game with Willow, and the rest is history, you mm. know, because we took offence to someone else coming in. And and we did, and we just really struck up a, a great, great partnership. Um, it really worked. He, he had a, he had a, I still don't know what foot Willow kicked with. I think it was left. He was so good with both feet. Mm. But we just, we, just, we just did. It just worked. And, and because we were such good friends, both on the pitch and off the pitch, it, you know, and we was very honest with each other. It was just a really, really good partnership. And and like I said, that the times are, I remember mean, winning Player of the Year in 99. And, he, you know, the first one that congratulated me was Willow. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd, he'd had a great year that year as well. You know, and, and that means that means a lot. And, you know, we really did have a fantastic rapport with him. You know, if I could go back and do it again, I would do. You know, but he's one of the best best players I've played with. He's underrated as well, Willow. He, I thought I thought he'd done really well to play midfield, uh, centre-half. Um, he had a bit of everything. Aggression, uh, he could score goals. 
And, you know, he scored one of the goals that kept us up in 97. So, you know, I think we owe a bit of thank you, him and Dion. <laughs> Definitely. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And you just mentioned, obviously, winning player of the year in the 1998-99 season. Yeah. What made that season so special for you? What was, what was what was good about that season, or what you know, what were you, what did you do particularly that season that you think we sort of made you stand out above, you know, ahead of the rest? Do you know what? I think we had, I think we had a really good team. Uh, Roland Nielsen, um, David Burrows, myself, Willow, Brini, whoever it was came in. Gary McAllister, George Botang, Noel Whelan, uh, Tron Solvet, Hux, Dion, Froggy. We just had a really, really anyone else to lift out. I'm apologies, but we had a really good side. We had a really good side. We played with confidence. Really, really, and I think I think the fact that I just enjoyed the football, I enjoyed the football club, I enjoyed the environment we worked in, um, I enjoyed the coaching, and I think when you're happy, I think when you're happy in life, um, I, I think it's, you know, I'd, 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 I'd had a young daughter, a, a daughter as well during that period, and, and everything was set. Well, I just I just enjoyed my football, and I just think it was probably one of the best the best seasons I had, and mm. playing good football, and, and also we playing we playing against the most Brilliant teams. I mean, you're talking about people like Henri and um, Burkamp over, and you've got Fowler over, and you've got Shearer. You talk, and every team had, had, had just just a great centre forward, and and that makes you that makes you play better as well. It's like when you go to a good football side, you've got to up your game because it just makes you up your game because you've got to take a better touch. Well, playing against better players, and I went to Millwall later on in my life in League One, and you know I, I enjoyed it. I mean, when you play the year at 38, I don't know what that says about that league or anything like that. But anyway, but. But at that time, we're playing against really, really good footballers. So I had, I had to really be my mental every single game and, and, and relish every game and, and enjoy every game, attack every game, you know. And, and I think we started the season, I think it'd be Chelsea 3-1, 3-2, whatever it was, a really boiling hot sunshine day. They had Casabaghi and Diali, they came to town, as Chelsea do. We beat them and I think that just set the tone for the whole season. I really enjoyed it. I really, I really enjoyed the year as well. I enjoyed the kit. <laughs> It was just, um, I was just happy, you know, and also playing with good footballers helped as well. You know, I think anyone, anyone, I, I would have voted for Ronan Nielsen. I, I thought Ronan Nielsen was brilliant. I have to say, he would have got my vote. But, um, but like I said, I was, I was lucky enough to come out on top. And like I said, with the likes of Gary McAllister, I know Gary had injury, I know that. But obviously, Ronan Nielsen in the side and Darren Huckabee and Dion, for me, I mean, I was, I was very proud, very proud. And it was obviously a very extremely sad day in Coventry's history when they were relegated from the Premiership. Um, you stayed from 2001 when they were relegated to yeah. 2006. Did you ever think about leaving in that time? Obviously, you played at a really high level with Coventry City and yeah. you know in the Premier League. Was there times you thought about 
leaving the club and, and what made you stay, I guess? No, do, do you know what? Not really. Not really. I, I mean, there wasn't anything concrete. I never, never really. I mean, I had a few bits, some up north and, you know, I'm an agent fan in Melbourne. I think there was a club up north that was interesting. I didn't really want to go up north because my, my family was set. I had two, two lovely doors and now I've got three. I was at a stage in my life really where I, I, I always, I've always been one of these guys. I've never chased anything really. If, if I'm happy, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, and I was, I, I was happy, you know, and relegation was, was, was not good. I, I know that, you know, and, but, you know, I, I just don't think the team was good enough. We'd sold all the players off, but a lot of them, um, you know, the team that got relegated was the team that got relegated because because ultimately we, we wasn't good enough. And then, you know, you, yeah. you go down to championship and it's and it's a tough league. Championship's so tough. People yeah. think yeah, you'll you'll go back up again. It's it's a it's a it's a grow. It's a forty six game. It's, it's week midweek. It's you know, and I, I I just enjoy playing football. So for me, playing two games a week, I I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. But it's a it's a different level. You know, it, everyone's fighting for their lives, and we 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 didn't have we didn't quite have the players. Uh, or the or the mentality that we're going to get back back up straight away because I think you know we've been in the Premiership for so long, I mean, 30, 32, 33, you know. So you know the chances of going to top club in Premiership or any Premiership 30, 32, 33 is obviously difficult. You know, I'm not I'm not disillusioned. I'm not that that vain where I think I can walk into another club at that age because because it's difficult. It really is hard. So so look, staying staying was fine with me. You know, I, I, I've never, I've never harboured to move. I never made any overtures to move, not at all. You know, like I said, I was quite settled. My family was settled where they were down down south. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I was, I was fine. I was, I was happy. You know, so I didn't feel a need to do anything different. If I'm going to be honest, I have to say the last few years weren't probably the easiest. They weren't the easiest, and you get a bit old and. You can see yourself being phased out. You can see players come in, and, and, and listen, that, that's part of evolution, of course. It is. Yeah, I'm not naive, but I still feel I felt I could do a good job. You know, I felt I had loyalty to the club as well. You know, they, they, you know, loyalty works both ways. But, but I always felt I always felt I could do a better job than the person that was there. I always did. You know, and you know, even when I left in 2006, I still think I could have stayed for another year. I genuinely believe that. Um, so I played I played well in 2006 with Pagey. Robert Page had a good had a good relationship. So. So yeah, I always kept myself fit, and I always wanted to play. So, so yeah, the last few years, they, they weren't the Premier League years. Of course, they weren't, but they were still enjoyable. And talk us through that goal at Gillingham. Uh, it was an absolute belter, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, do you know what it was? I think I closed my eyes and just head down, arse up, and waited in and waited in. You know, I was actually going to pass it. I think I remember speaking to Andy Morrell thing, but it's funny because I remember in the morning, um, I, 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 come on, I think I come on the sub. Um, and I was I was I was having breakfast with, with Eric Black and Archie Knox, and I heard Gary uh, on the podcast earlier allude to to Eric Black. Eric Black was brilliant. Eric mm. Black was so good. Yeah, he was a brilliant coach. And and do you know what? When when um, Archie Knox came over, and I'd, I'd heard all the stories about Archie um, at Everton and Man United, and he was a real fearsome man, really fearsome man. But I I actually quite like people like that. I like discipline. I I. I grew up wanting discipline and wanting structure. And Archie sort of, his session wasn't great. You weren't doing it. He'd, he'd let you know. And I, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. I would never going to run to Mary Jane going, oh, Archie Knox has picked on me. I'm not doing that. He was brilliant, you know. And I really liked them too. And I remember having breakfast in the morning of that game. Um, and they were saying, oh, where are you going in some holidays and this and that? We're talking about it. And 
you know, they're really, really good company. And I, and I had a lot of respect for them, really a lot of respect for them. And um, played a game, I think, come on and I've come on a right back or something. And um, I hate playing right back, by the way. I really did. Oh, my God. But and I come on, and then I think the, the switch got played, Safri or something, pass it in. And I just kept going. And I had no intention of shooting. I was probably looking for the first person I could to pass it off to. It was probably the Macca was playing and Andy Morel. And I, I literally just, it was just a good strike. And, you know, I sometimes think, why don't I do it more often? But I, but scoring goals have never really bothered me. I, I took great delight in defending. I've really enjoyed playing against the caliber of player I, I played against. So I feel really like we, when we used to beat Tottenham and that 4-0 and not consider a goal, it was, for me, that was, that was my buzz. I was brilliant at that. I love the fact I scored for Coventry in one goal. It's, it's probably going to be a question of who did Richard Torskill's only goal against in Virginia. But it was, it was it, not the most salubrious around to score a goal like that, I have to say, but it's one that it's one that I, I would cherish. And, and to win the, win the goal, goal of the season, I'm sure there's a bit of a sympathy vote there. I'm sure there are better goals than that. So, <laughs> I think to, to score the one goal was enough. But uh, do you know what? It, it, it's never bothered me. I've played hundreds and hundreds of games. I think I've scored four goals. I, I've, never, I've never lost a moment's sleep over it. It's not my thing. I love defending. Um, I really do enjoy it. I never went up for set pieces because I had to run back, and I, and I just, I just literally enjoyed defending. I enjoyed organising, uh, and that that was part of me. But yeah, it, it was nice, and it was nice to do it in front of the, the Coventry fans. Of course, it was, and the players, the players at the time, the players at the time were great. You know, I remember McSheffrey and, and, and Steve Warnock. I think was there at the time, and Safri and. Mm. Andy Morrell and Big Mo and that. So, I mean, they were good lads. And it was just, again, it was one of them ones where it was just a difficult time. But I, I did, I do think Eric Black was 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 doing a really good job. I, I was really disappointed when he left. I have to say, it was a bizarre decision. You know, I, that's nothing wrong against Peter Reid or Adrian Meeks. I really enjoyed them as well. But, but I always think when you're doing well as a manager, I, I find that really strange, the decision that was made. And Eric, Eric and Archie, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of, I, when, it, when we came in the next day and they, they left, I was I was absolutely gutted, and I'm always mm-hmm. gutted when a manager leaves, because I always think, oh, a good manager leaves. I think you've done a lot for me. I'm so, it's so sad it's happened, but I was genuinely, genuinely upset when them two left. Because it didn't make I, any I, sense, did it? No, none at all, no. none at all. And and they and and the thing is, Eric Black's one of the best coaches I've worked under in terms of coaching. I mean, Strax was good, and yeah. and Eric was Eric had brought these sessions in from France when he was in Mets, and he was a brilliant coach. His sessions were great. I loved him, and uh, you can see his coaching career he's had, he's had even now. But I guess it's just another commentary one that doesn't make sense. Yeah, you win five two and lose your job. <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra, and you um, you signed for Millwall in 2006. Was it a, was it a hard decision to leave the Sky Blues? Uh, no, not really. No, not really. And, and, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I, w- I didn't really get on that well with Mickey. If I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, Mickey came in. I don't think he really wanted the the senior players involved in, in in the team, and he sort of let us know quite early in a way, with just the body language and that. So like myself, Steve Stoughton, and Stern Johns, Stephen Hughes. Uh, I know Tim Sherwood wasn't there very long. I know, but um, so the senior players. I, I, I think he, he made his mind up with the senior players, and despite what what we could give to them, I, I think you always need a good a good splat with the senior players as well to to bring the youngsters through. And, and I was I was always good at that. I was always I always made sure the youngsters were looked after. I used to bring them in and look after them and give them advice. And, you know, Stuart Ginnans, McSheffrey, Craig Peed, and all them people. You know, even Robert Betts. Robert Betts was a young lad who didn't make it at Coventry, but we played Russian Diamonds in the League Cup game. I think we're 9-0 up and we had a penalty and the crowd was, was cheering for me, wanting me to go and take it because I hadn't scored a goal. And I, I wanted Robert, I asked Robert, Robert Betts, Robert, you take it. I thought more about him than me. 
because he was making his debut as a young kid. I thought, yeah. I'll take it. I'm like, you take it because it could kickstart your career. And I was always like that with the youngsters. And I, and I, and I think you need to see your players. And, and Mickey clearly didn't really see us. I, I got left out and this and that. And then I ended up getting back in the team. We had a few fallouts. So I ended up got back in the team and we were going for a bad spell. And I got back in and me and Robert Page made a, performed a really good partnership. You know, and I was a little bit older than 37, I think. And I, you're playing all through Christmas, three games in three days. Nowadays, you can't play two games in two weeks. You know, and and we probably playing Wolves and Derby, and I, I really enjoyed that sort of period. And I knew I was getting testimony at the end of the year, and I and I, and I knew Mickey wasn't going to really think about giving me another contract, even though I was doing quite well. And uh, and like I said, I I understand managers want to go a new way and go younger. I, I understand all that. I, I never had an issue with that really. Um, but no, I, we didn't sort of see eye to eye. We had a few run-ins that year. Um, and like I said, you, you, you speak as you're fine. I know Mac has listened to Mac, oh, you, you got on really well, Mickey. Yeah, he did. It's brilliant. You know, you, you, not everyone's going to get on. And I sort of left, re- left really the last game against Cardiff. And I think, oh, I think me and Mickey still had a row after the game or something. But, you know, yeah. the, the, the beauty of it is it, it, will, never, it will never cloud the, the great times I had there and the enjoyment I had there. And it's funny because we played, what was at Millwall? We played, I was on the coaching staff, we played Sheffield United. Uh, away, and Mickey was manager. <laughs> I remember saying, I remember all staff, oh, I ain't going to get on with him, I can't shake you down, blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> the, the game was kicking off, and, and my mate said, go and see him. So me and Mickey sort of met in the tunnel, and then we sort of shook hands, and, and we just laughed about it in the end. And, and I was saying, look, Mick, you didn't have to go around and do it that way. You could, you could have just said to me, look, Rich, I want you to go. He said, oh, yeah, but I had to make a stay. And we were just talking about things. And we sort of talked, and the game was going on. We, I think we were in the tunnel talking about five minutes. And to be fair, it was it was good because we just shook hands and thought, you know, we got on with it. You know, at the time, both of us, I think, probably had a few words. And like I said, you just that's football. That is football. Mm. It's about opinions. And like I said, it was good. It was good to sort of shake his hand at Sheffield United and we had a good chat about it. And we just we both both just moved on. I've seen him since. You know, it's fine. You know, and it, and it is football. It's, it's a very emotional game. Um, very, it's a game of opinions. And sometimes, you know, you win some, you lose some. Mm. But no, I was—I was, I was, I thought it was a good time to leave. I, I have to say, I—I I, I do. Um, we were having a testimonial, and then, and then, um, like I said, walking away that way. I had fantastic memories. Fantastic memories. I think my my, my personal, I could have done another year. I was fit enough, easier than another year. But I think it was a good time. It was a good time to go. And you mentioned the testimonial. Just a really special night. Just obviously for yourself, it, it must have been um, a really nice way to cap off your sort of you know time at Coventry. Yeah, and and the most the most special thing of the night was having my family there because because my wife she just doesn't get football she hates it she she's never interested in it and um, which is which is great for me because I drive home and she won't even talk about it you know so so it's brilliant and you know, I've got I've got now I've got three lovely daughters and and the two the two oldest ones obviously were, were at the game you know they both came up to pitch me I don't remember my middle one Verity was crying her eyes out and she wouldn't I was hugging her she wouldn't let me go so. Every picture I've got that testimonials meeting Celtic and that she was she's she's clinging on to me and the other one Rowena was I don't know how old she was ninety seven uh, she must be like eleven or twelve she was she was trying to testimony like it was hers she was on the pitch and waving to the crowd she was loving it she was milking the backside out of it so she loved it but it was just a special night having having my family there because they'd never really been to a game you know and uh, yeah, look the fact Celtic come down let's not be let's, let's be truthful it made it a fantastic occasion they just won the league and. You know, Gordon was brilliant with things like that. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's what I say. That's what I've got a lot of respect for. He didn't need to do that. 
And it just made it a fantastic occasion. And I, and I, and I wanted it to be a football game. I didn't want it to be 10-9. I'm scoring the last penalty in the last minute. I didn't want that. I, want, <laughs> I wanted it to be a proper game. And, and I, remember driving in, I remember driving in at the time and, and Celtic had that. They had all these stalls up there selling their own flags. And I think, whose home game is this? It was, just in, it was absolutely incredible. And yeah, they that, do really take over when they take over, yeah, don't they? they were fantastic. But also, the, so, so were the Coventry fans because it was great for Coventry because obviously they hadn't seen things like Celtic, teams like Celtic come down. So in a way, that was quite nice as well, you know. And, and like I said, the most important thing for me was 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 the family. And, and you know, even, even little things I remember now, Kevin Thornton coming on and playing brilliantly well, a young kid, young gingerhead kid, Kev. And he had this little wonder yeah. left foot. And, you know, little things like that sort of always, always sort of stick in my mind. And then, you know, Afterwards, you know, and um, I, I didn't like being too much. Just once the game had finished, I was quite happy just to go and have a shower and and meet the family and, and scoodle off and that. But you had to do so many thank yous and that, which was, which was of course you did because so many people were taking so much time um, for, for that testimonial. But it was it was do you know what it was just a brilliant brilliant evening. And like I say, the Coventry fans and the Celtic fans and everyone who organised it and family, it just made it that much special. During your time with Sky Blues, Richard, you played with some real characters. Yeah. Who's the uh, most flashiest player you played with? <laughs> the flashiest player? Yeah. <laughs> Big time Charlie. Big time Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 heard, we heard before about Don Hutchinson and he had like a, a really sort of, he used to drive up in an expensive car and, and whatnot um, from oh, London. But yeah. yeah, was there anyone that sort of really oh, starved it I, out? I, I thought you meant in terms of flashy on the pitch. Oh, no, no one beats Carlton Palmer. No one beats <laughs> Carlton Palmer. Yeah, no one beats Carlton Palmer. Do you know what? He used to come in. He used to, um, I loved him. And, and whatever stories you hear about Carlton, they're all true. They're all true. <laughs> I, I actually know. He came in one day. I mean, he was he was still dressing from the seventies and eighties with shell suits and that, and it was the first time we was in the car park talking. I was talking to some lad in the car park, and he and I thought whose car's that? And it was like a, it was a brand new seven series BMW. I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen one like that before. And Carlton come 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 out, and, he, and I thought I don't know who that is. And he literally it's the first time I've ever seen someone with a remote control key ring press the button and the boot come up, and all of a sudden this boot come up, and I thought who's done that? And then Colton comes swanning out with his biggest Louis Vuitton wash bag and the biggest Louis Vuitton Filofax. And he's literally just like, put it in the boot of his car, got in the car, like, give us a wink and just drove off. And you know what? That was him every day. That was him every day. Was, do you know what? It was just great fun to be around. Great fun to be around. He really was. And he was, he was Flash, but he was harmless Flash. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely yeah. harmless flash. And, you know, he 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 he, he just come to say comments and people he used to wind people up and he'd come in one day, he'd just say, Oh, the missus got the up with me, you know, I went out last night, I just had to give her twelve grand for new kitchen. And he just like <laughs> laughed at the And all the lads, all the lads would just go, all the lads would be fuming, go, Wait, you're like flash, you're like flash button, blah, blah, blah. But we knew what he was like. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I make I make I make no apologies about this. That I know we used to go up to, to Gordon's room and say, Gaff, I should be playing centre half instead of short seat. I should be, and I know, I know he done that, right? But do you know what? <laughs> I, I still, I don't mind. I love him. I've, and I was, I was tweeting him the other day, and we, we had the comments because I did something the other day up in London. He was following me in, and do you know what? All the stories you hear about him, I'm, I'm, I remember so. I remember, I remember we went to, um, we went to Antwerp for pre-season, and, and and Gordon said, right, lads, no one goes out, right? No one out. We got training. We got training tomorrow. Um, anyone goes out, no alcohol. Blah blah. Anyway, 
myself, Colton, myself, Colton and Willow and Telf had gone out into Antwerp. So we just thought, Colton was like that. Colton said, I'll have a bottle of wine. I was like, Colton, the Kappa said like, so we were playing three car break and, and we had, we had a bottle and then all of a sudden we bring another bottle over. And before you know it, it's just, it's just manic. It's absolutely manic. And Colton's playing cards and this and that, right? And it was, we were so funny playing three car break. So we just thought, we stitched Colton up and this and that, you know, and we're going blind and going open. And, and Colton said, well, I'm going to make a limit. And he would, and this is how flashy he was. This is how flashy he goes, right, we'll go, we go uh, 100 pound, 100 pound, and we go 200 pound blind. I'm thinking, well, you've got that wrong, Colton, because you should be going the other way around. But we, we, it was, we was getting more and more drunk as we were going along. And he would just sit there. He wouldn't even look at his cards. And we're going, Colton, what are you going to do, mate? And he was going, 200 pound blind. Do you know why? Because I can. Right, so we 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 just picked our cards up, and we just like looking at, it. we just like nodded, nod to each other, and it was like, right, I'm I'm, I'm folding, and and Colton ultimately just kept losing money, and I think he wrote Willow out a check for probably a couple of thousand pound, I think it was, or whatever like that, but but that was Colton, that was him all over, and do you know what, you I got story, you got you got things like that pre-season, pre we got St Andrews pre-season, that was like. Gaff was like, Gordon's like, lads, we've got to stay in. You know, Winston, Winston Andrews, we've got to make sure we respect it and that no one goes out. Well, Gordon Strachan knows, he's a Lord Mayor of Scotland. He knows everyone in Scotland, every bar owner, everything, right? Colton, John, John, John Arts and David Thompson decided to go out uh, down the pub. And it wasn't just a quiet one. You know, when you go out for just a quiet one, you're thinking, I'll just have a quick, quick beer. I'll sit in the corner of a pub and I'll just have a quick, quiet one, you know, and just, 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 you know what I mean? It wasn't that. It was champagne in ice buckets and cigars, and it was everything, right? And, of course, the gaffer knew Colton Hartz and Tom O'B now. But he never said anything, but he decided to run the whole, the whole group suffered. He decided to run the next day. Oh, my God, did we run. But you know what? Colton won every single race. He was that fit. He was fit. He was up and down. Uh, it, was, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's a, he was, do you know what? He's a great guy. Absolutely great. And he's just so funny. As you, you know, the stories like that, these things happened every day. These things happened every day with Carl. He's just, just brilliant. Brilliant. Great character. And definitely flash. Definitely flash. Definitely flash. It's brilliant to hear that because it's, it's really interesting about pre-season because obviously you go away and, and, and just Coventry City Socials in general, you said that the, the, the sort of atmosphere of the players was really, yeah. really strong and that must have carried over into the sort of Christmas parties and you mentioned Dion did do's with, with um, yeah. sort of the you know, wives and girlfriends and, and whatnot. Was it, was it a really good sort of social aspect to the club as well as on the pitch? Yeah, but do, do you know what? I think if you look, if you look, back, in the, if you look back at them times... You're talking about late nineties. You're talking in, you know, Wenger came in about Wenger came in about ninety five, ninety six, um, and football kind of. He, I think Wenger changed football. I really believe that he came in uh, with the stretching, with the diet. Stop uh, free car brag games. Not free. They stopped free car brag. <laughs> he stopped free car brag, and and he's he, you know, and in the Arsenal. I mean, the Arsenal team, as for instance, at the Tuesday club, didn't they? He used to go out every Tuesday and get absolutely, you know, and and I think back in the day, I think every team was doing it. I think every team had a good social. Every team had a few. I mean, you, you, you go in the players' lounge, you'd be lager. You go in the players' lounge for beer. After a game, you'd have a beer. That's unheard of now. Absolutely unheard of. And yeah, the, the game's yeah. moved on, and quite rightly so. But I think Wenger came in and kind of changed it a wee bit. But I think back then it was it was it was it was it was, it was the right. It was a done thing. You know, there was no social media. There was none of this. None of that. We we enjoyed each other's company. You know, and on, on a Saturday night, if we were away somewhere, and we went we went out in Birmingham or something. Like that, it was brilliant, and it was there was nothing. It was. It wasn't. 
wasn't a mad nights out. It wasn't anything like that. It was just we used to just enjoy going out in each other's company, having a few beers, or it could be a meal. It could be going yeah. out night, just have a meal, or just 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 have a bottle of wine or something, and get a taxi home. You know, it was just it was as simple as that. And 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 what it did do, what it did do, guys, it just brought us together as as, as, yeah. as more than as a group. And I honestly believe Team Spirits worth ten points a year plus. You know, and and obviously, look, you can't do that now. I mean. Teams now, you can't go anywhere now. You, the players don't want to go anywhere because they're too busy on their phones. And and but it's, it's true. It generally we are in a new generation of, of of footballers. You know that's not to say it's right or wrong, but that's where we are. I mean, I'll be a comment. I'll be at Palace coaching the kids. I go. I leave the room for literally thirty seconds. Come back and tell them what time they're in tomorrow. Every single player's on his phone. Every single player's on their yeah. phone. And no one speaks anymore. But we had that in abundance. We had that team spirit, that work ethic. And and we used to we used to train hard and you know we just used to enjoy each other's company. It was just it was just a brilliant brilliant time and and like I said you know Dan was a big part of that and the boys all bought into it and you know we all looked out we, we we all looked out for each other and I think the fact that a lot of us stay in touch even now today you know I phone spoke to Willow last week and Telf and you know Noel and Huck spoke to Huck two days ago we we all do and you know that that's, that says a lot about about the group as as, as a character of the group and, and and how it was. Did anyone sort of uh, was notorious with the old fine system, and was anyone that suffered every week? Was there a sort um, of charity or sort of social uh, funds sort of fine system in place? No, I don't. I don't think really. I don't think really had a fine system. To be fair, um, I think we're so scared of strikes, we don't be like <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But but I did hear. I mean, I mean, I, obviously he's at the club now. But I did hear a story about now, whether it's true or not. It wouldn't surprise me that I think when he was at Millwall, I think on loan from Middlesbrough or something like that. Um, he he, had, he was injured. He had to be in for treatment, and I, and I think I think the fine the fines were like I don't know like five hundred. Say it was say it was five hundred. Every time he missed a fine, it was five hundred pound. That he wasted something like that. And I think Noel one day walked in. He missed he missed treatment on on, on a on a on a Saturday or something like that. <laughs> He got five five hundred. So I think he about to check out for a thousand. So I'm taking Sunday off as well. <laughs> he just walked out. So there is there there are there are instances like that, and that and that's not being blase. It's not it, that that is just that, that's just the character of Noel, you know. And I, I'm sure I might have them figures wrong, but it was it was a substantial amount of money. But um, in terms of fines, uh, no, not really. I mean nowadays. I look at the fines. I mean, I looked at the fines on Crystal Palace's board when I was there a year ago. My God! I mean, the players are earning that much money. It's, it's like you just can't believe it. You just you just look at it and just think that that would that would feed a family for for ten years. You know, and, yeah. and it, it's wrong. It is wrong. And, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm in football, and I, I look at the way football's gone now, and I, it kind of worries me. You know, I, I, I've always said I, I, I love football. I do. I love football, but as an industry, I don't really like it. I don't really like. I don't like what it's become at times. So yeah, I, I'm a, I mean, I, I I was never believing fines when I, when I was a coach. I never I never find anyone. I just what I should do with the youngsters, the 23s, as for instance, I should just take their time away because you just find them and then now HR involved. You've got to say where's the fine going? What's it doing? You're just wasting your time. So yeah. So so I literally just used to take their time time away. So I just say right, okay, I'm not going to find anyone being late. We're come, we're going to we're going to come back at four o'clock and train, and it used to kill them. Is because trying to get through London at half five at night is you know impossible. It's a nightmare. So, yeah, so I never, I never used to find them. I just used to take their time away, um, and for me that was the right thing to do because the, the lads say you're staying behind and you know driving from. I mean, you could you could go from West London to East London, take you three hours. It's ridiculous. So um, that's what I used to do. I, I'm not a big, I'm not a believer, I'm not a massive believer of fines. I believe I'm trying to treat them like adults, and and if if they do, they do. If they don't. You know, sometimes I think it says more about you as a person than. 
than the football club, maybe. So, so yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. You played over the years, uh, Richard, with so many talented players. If you could pick your best five-a-side team with you in it, what would it be? Uh, you know what? I was going to leave myself out of that. Most My best period of my life revolved around 97 and 2000 with the players I played with. Of course. So I, I decided to pick... I decided to pick the players from that era. Mm. So I left myself out. Okay. I didn't think I was quite good enough. I left myself out. Fair so enough. I picked I picked Steven Grizovich. Yeah. Because I thought he was just, I thought Oggy was just brilliant. I mean, talk about going to a club and make make you feel welcome. That man, I mean, to play to his 72 was incredible. Absolutely mm. incredible. He really was such such a and he's a great goalkeeper. The lawyer showed the club and he was brilliant. So I had Oggy in goal. And because I was defender, I went a little bit more def- a little bit more defensive. <laughs> so I put I put Roland Nielsen and and Paul Williams nice. as the two defenders, and then I put Gary McAllister as a midfield player. And, I, and then do you know what? The, the centre forward was difficult because I was going to put Bobby Keane in, but Bobby didn't really play in that era. So Bobby Keane's the best young player that I've ever seen, ever ever seen. I mean, Noel was good, but Bobby Keane uh, was was an absolute joke, an absolute joke. I remember I remember, I remember coming in. For training, I was late coming in, and uh, I think I was injured. I came in in my jeans and that, and Bobby was getting changed out of his kit into his jeans. And I was like, "Where are you going?" You know, I'm just off to Milan to talk to Inter. I went, "What?" <laughs> and it was just like that, and I, and I was just, "Oh my god!" You know, it was just, he's just the most old head on young shoulders, but one of the most talented kids. And I, I remember when he turned up, and he was like, oh, six million, Jesus Christ!" You know, I'm not too sure about this. And literally puts a football kit on, goes on the pitch. His movement, he wasn't quick. He wasn't quick at all, but his movement was just incredible. <laughs> we, we, we was losing the five-a-side game. I said, Gary McCaffrey was hammering me and Willow or something. And I, and I even just said, Mac, I said, Mac, I can't get nowhere near him. He's unbelievable. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah. he, he was brilliant. So, but unfortunately, he didn't make the team. But I went for Dion because I just thought Dion was a catalyst in everything we did. So um, I just, I was like, in goal, Roland and Willow. And uh, we're going to play. We're going to we're going to counter attack. We're going to bring people on and, and counter attack. And Gary McAllister for his passing and Dion for his finishing. I thought that, so you, that's not. That's not you you drop deep, Richard, and then a counter attack. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring teams on, onto us. And Roland Roland was such a good defender in that. And then yeah. and then Willow can just dink it into Dion. He can set Macker up and score. So I think that team nice. it's got great character. I think it's got a few characters, you know, and. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's that's. I gave that sort of thought as well. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> believe, definitely win a couple of games, wouldn't it? Believe hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And in uh, in more recent times, you worked as Andy Thorne's assistant. Um, yeah. Talk us through that role. Well, well, that was a strange one, wasn't it? That was uh, <laughs> that really. I, do you know what? I I, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It was it was it was one of the ones where I'd, I'd left Millwall and Thorny phoned me up, and and I think. Coventry had been relegated. I remember I'd been at Millwall where we beat we beat Coventry at the Rico and it more or less condemned them down to mm. League One. And I sort of left Millwall in the summer or just before that. I can't remember, maybe it might be the following year, maybe, I don't know. But Andy Ford phoned about yeah, and I, and I spoke to a few people and a few because because I remember I said the club was in a mess, wasn't it? I mean, was it CSU was still there? I don't, I can't I can't recall actually. But yeah, it, it was going through a period, wasn't it? Where yeah. every, everything was highlighted, everything was in the news. It was carnage. Let's be honest. We're going to ground. We're not going to ground. And and I and I did take a bit of advice. People said, "No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go." You know, but I, I did. And 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 to be honest, my heart, my heart probably bored my head. If I'm going to be honest. Um, so I went, and and it was really difficult. You know, I was only there for a couple of months, 
And, you know, turned up first day and I was like, we had no GPS for us, we had none of this. And the under-18s have got all the equipment and GPS. And I'm, I'm not saying the phone, I went, this is the first team. Why have we got, why have we got this? Mm-hmm. And we never had nothing. We had nothing. And, you know, I remember doing sessions and, and I did a session once. I remember, forget it. We had 23, 24 players and then we had 23. We're doing them four sixes, like a little round robin with technical, technical stuff. And, and, um, we had 23. I said, Paul, we're missing a player. And I said, we're missing. And we just kept going through the list. We couldn't work it out. And all of a sudden it was Gail Bibigarama, was it? Bibigarama, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was missing. So I thought, Where, where's he? I said, lads, where's Gail? So I remember going in to see one of the, one of the directors, whoever it was that was there at the time. Oh, we sold him to Newcastle. I went, you what? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, did, did, did no one think about telling us that? And, and, and that is what it was like every day. It, it wasn't easy. It was really hard. Mm. It was really hard. It was really hard because behind the scenes, there was, there was bickering to and fro. Um, I felt friendly because, you know, because like everything was taken from on him and then decisions were made totally out of our out of our remit and this and that. And like I said, the first week, I, I just didn't enjoy it. I just thought I, I, I really shouldn't have done my heart warmed my head. Um, but you go back to somewhere which is so different from what, from what you left previously, like 10 years ago, wherever it was. And, 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 you know, it was, it was really hard. Like I said, with no GPS, no this, no that. And, you know, the players were a bit demotivated as such. That, that's not the players for it's up to you to go in there and motivate them. Of course it is. But with all the negative stuff in the, in, in the, that's in the papers with, with CISO and everything like that, it, it was really it was, it was a real battle, a real battle. So, so yeah, that, 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 was, that was difficult, really. And um, I have to say, you know, I don't know, they probably should have put you in a hotel and they end up, you end up in like a, I, I don't I can't remember where I stayed now. I think I, I, I was right on, I, I think I was behind a bush on the M40 or something like that. I mean, no one had any care for what you were doing. You know, mm. they didn't. You know, and I have to be, I'll be careful, too, too careful what I say too much. But, but like, like I said, it, 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 that was that was a time where it's probably the wrong thing to do. Um, and, and that's life, isn't it? You know, you live and learn. Um, but that's, that's not to say I don't look out for their results because I do and I, and I want them to do so well. It was just, it probably, I was probably in the wrong place. I was probably, you know, the right place at just totally at the wrong time. Totally at the wrong time. You mm. know, and, and, you know, and it, it wasn't successful and it, and it wasn't enjoyable. Yeah, sure. And obviously, you you know, you moved on from the club again, and and obviously that was at the time when Mark Robbins was in charge. Um, how well do you know Mark? And just interested to know what you make of the job he's doing now at the Sky Blues in his second spell. Um, Joe, you know, I don't I don't know Mark too well actually, because when, when Mark first came in, I mean, we got beat by shows before one, and that was just just complete carny. I mean, we, we was in disarray by then, you know, we wasn't. No one knew what was going on. Even the interview was was a farce and things like that. And you know, and and Mark came in. And it, it was interesting because I sort of said to Mark, Mark came in and then Steve Taylor came in. I think a bit few of the squad came in and we had Lee Carsey. They were doing the twenty ones or eighteens, whatever. So I knew Lubbock. and he, he didn't really need me. You know, I'd, I'd sort of take over for me just to, just to help. I didn't really. I, I didn't want to manage his job because I didn't want to be a manager. Although I took over as caretaker. You know, managing things up for me, I've done that before at Millwall Caretaker and, and you just don't sleep at night, you know, it's, it's just not for me. I just enjoy the coaching I, and you find your niche and I enjoy coaching young players, you know, and that, that is my niche and I, and I really enjoy it. So I sort of remember saying to Mark, I, sort of, I think I sort of said, look, you don't really need me here, do you? And he said, no, no, I want you around this and that. Well, it, it, didn't, it didn't really felt like that way. It wasn't because obviously mm. Mark came in and he, Mark didn't really want me there and I, and I just wish... I'd like. I just wish he would just cut ties straight away. You know, I just wish. And like I said, I always like people. I've gravitated to people who say it as it is. 
And you know, if Mark had just come in and just marched and said, right, bang, don't need you, I've got to stay bang, let's shake hands and go. But I ended up staying another couple of weeks and then it was done. And I'm thinking, like, there was no need for that. But having said, having said all that, Having said all that, you know, like I said, I look out for the results. I really want Coventry to, to go up. I want to go up again in the Premier League. I do. Because I think there's so many good good people there, fans and uh, supporters, you know. And I, and I do keep my results. And, and, and I have to say, I think Mark's done an unbelievable job. He's done an unbelievable job. I think he's done brilliant. I really mm. do, you know. And I'm not one of these, oh, yeah, I left with Mark. Was there. No, I don't. I, I, you know, I want the club to do well. I want them to sort out their finances. I want everything to be back in an even keel. And I, and I think Mark, I think Mark's done a terrific job. I think he's done an absolutely terrific. I watched I watched some play occasionally when you see the highlights. I know they're at Birmingham at the moment, St Andrews, but they're playing some great football. Mm. They're playing some really good football, and you know, playing out from the back. It's all playing through midfield. You've got some good players there now in difficult circumstances, and I think they want. I think they have been the best team in the league. They have, you know, if the league finishes early, it does. Um, so be it. But I think they deserve to go up. Um, I'd be, be interested to see how they cope next year in the championship because he'd be another calibre of player. Yeah. But but like I said, I I I, I just I do think you know Mark sort of galvanised the football club and 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 he's and he's without a shadow of a doubt he's done a brilliant job, absolutely brilliant job, and, and good luck. And and what about yourself now, Richard? What what you sort of spend your time on? Yeah, no, I I, I, left, I left players in October. Um, they just want to go a different way with someone else, which, which again, it's life. You know, I, I've done a good job there. Five years, five years as a, as a, as a coach, 16, 23. So I, I really enjoy the development side of things. And like I said, yeah. uh, won the league. That, that doesn't really mean too much because I'm a, I'm a big fan of development, not not results over development. It's development over results. And, you know, I remember working working hard with Aaron Bissaka. I mean, Aaron, we turned Aaron into a right back. You know, and we work day and night with Aaron. You know, not just in that, but in the gym. And you know, it's not it's not easy being at a club in London because the lads yeah. have so many different temptations, and they they mix with the wrong people. And it's a real every day's a juggling act in terms yeah. of who, who you keep and who you release. And we got that right with Aaron. We played him at right back. He didn't do too well to start off. We, we kept we kept persevering with him. You know, and people say, "Oh no, you lost the game again because it was you know it was Aaron's fault." Yeah, but we have got to keep working with him. And next thing you know, it's fifteen million pound. You think? Brilliant. Yeah. Don't get a thank you for anything like that, but you just think, <laughs> I, mean, I, speak, I speak to Aaron every week. A different class I've been watching play and that is great. So I, I, I really like I really like that side of it. I really enjoy that side of it. And like I said, the club wanted to go a different way. That's life. It, it, it surprised me a wee bit, I have to say. I'm not going to lie to you, but like I said, nothing surprises me in football anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. So, so yeah. So, um, you know, so I took a job in. I've taken a job in. Believe it or not, it's not very local. I've taken a job in Florida uh, as a director of coaching at um, a team in Orlando called Winter Park, and I've been over there a couple of times now. It's an amateur academy, but like I said, again, it's something working with young players. They've got seven hundred kids, some like different age groups. You know, been moved to new facilities. And it's something I've always tried to do. Something I, I like to do something different because yeah. I could have been at Palace for another ten years, and you know, I look at it, I think, well, I'd be sixty. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking. What what have I really achieved? Yeah, Aaron was great, but you're at somewhere and you're not really felt don't really, really, you know, don't get thank you for anything again. So I think I don't I don't want to get to an age of I turn back and think, Joe, I wish I'd experienced that. So it's something I've always wanted to do with the American thing. You're not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Um, and I put my C V to a couple of places over there, and this guy called back and he was, he was the owner of this this place called Winter Park. Beautiful area, absolutely stunning area. Better weather than Croydon. It's slightly better than, yeah, slightly better, yeah. <laughs> and I went, over, I went over there January time, I went over, went over in March just to, just to reconfirm what I was doing. Really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm training 
my day started at somewhat four o'clock. I'm in t-shirts and shorts and trainers, and it's like it, it, it's it's brilliant. The kids, the kids think you're Pep Guardiola because you're an English coach in the Premier League. They kind of think this this guy's unbelievable. The parents <laughs> are like, "Good job, coach. Good job." It's like I'm high five and everyone. I've actually turned into a native, shall we say? But it's it's really good. I, I was due to start in I was due to start in March, but obviously with what's happened. Yeah, so my visa's been put back. I've applied for obviously B one B two visa and this and that. But you're hoping, hoping once all this clears up, it will be um, it be it be good to go. I mean, the job's still there, so I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking or anything like that. I'm still zooming the coaches over there, and he wants me to sort of, you know, get a structure going to the place, um, um, make it like a professional academy, shall we say? Even though it's amateur, yeah. but make it into professional academy so the kids do well and set a right environment and. Yeah, and and it's, it's one I've got. I've got other things back in the UK, so I need to be back and forth um, quite a bit because you know I'm getting involved with a sports management company and things like that. So I've got I've got interest in the UK as well as my family, by the way. So <laughs> so, so, so I will be back and forth. But but again, do you know what? I've done it at commentary for ten years. Where I was back two days a week. I was back Tuesday night and Sunday. I've done it for ten years. So if I can do that, you know, me and the wife we've got a great relationship, and you know, Orlando. Orlando's literally just. Orlando's literally just. It's, it's, I say just found a corner, but it's, it's seven and a half hours, so it's, it's it's not, it's not too, it's not it's not too bad. I have to say, so it's literally just getting the flight there, the flight back, and you're just getting through customs and this and that. But it's it's not it's not that bad at all. It's it's not that bad at all. How do you feel, sort of, with you know English and, and American academies? I know the sort of school systems are very different there around how people progress through. What's what's what do you think the sort of main differences will be around that sort of American versus English sort of academy? Um, well, well, the English, the English academy is obviously you know when you leave school you literally go straight into into an academy. Yeah, in Americans in America you literally you literally leave school when you go straight into high school. You know that's that's their yeah. normal walk high education because because the football industry is not as professional as it is all clued up as it is over here yet. But it will it, it, it will get that way. You can see it now. You see uh, Nashville are now are now taking scholarships in. I think Atlanta will be the next team, uh, which Frank DeBoer is involved in. A huge club over there, Atlanta. Great. I mean, I've got to say the facilities in America are unbelievable. I yeah. Mean, if they took it serious, soccer, uh, soccer they call it, obviously. But um, it's just incredible facilities, you know, and and. If they get that bit right with the scholars, you know, you 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 learn that they they will start taking football seriously because I believe to be a good footballing nation, you have to start at the grassroots like Belgium did. You yeah, have to literally course. start with nine, tens, elevens, twelve-year-olds and get the fundamentals right. Which is why I love development. Get the fundamentals right. Get the techniques right, and then once they get to 16, 17, 18, you start working the tactical stuff, and then they become better. You know, and and we get that wrong so many times. There'll be so many coaches mm. get it wrong where they all they think about is results. And let's get a under eleven who's six foot two because he'll score ten goals and you might win a game. But it, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, I've got I've got a feeling in Holland they sort of didn't have results. They don't they don't have leagues or anything at a certain age. I've got I've got a feeling that in certain yeah. countries they just don't yeah. bother with results, leagues. They no. just play games, um, and it doesn't then take away from the actual fact that people are winning or losing. They're just developing. Absolutely, and that's where Belgium were good. That's where the UK. That's where my previous club struggled because it was just about for some certain people. It was just about results, and it's not. It's about it's about listen to running Milston talk. You know, and I think commentary actually do it very well. Actually, they've got good youth. They've got good youth players, and and uh, it's about it's about the technique and getting techniques right. 
And then at 16 to 18, you can start learning tactical stuff. They're doing Holland. I remember listening to Manny Milstrom talk about it. And Belgium have, have, have adopted that. And, and America now, if they want to be successful in, in, in football, football or the NFL, whatever, but they want to be successful, they've got to start from, from, from below. And, and for me going over there, I've, I've quite enjoyed trying to preach that to the academy I'm in now. And the, and the owner's really on board with it. Yeah. So we got to play out from the back and this and that. Now, other, other clubs like, I mean, it won't mean too much to you, but Lake Nona and other teams we've been playing, like Maitland and that, they've like, you know, they, they sort of, God, oh, these guys are doing it quite well. Yeah, we, over there, it's all about results. As you know, America, it's all yeah. about, they have to win. But until they take the mentality of the kids have got to get better first and then the winning will come, that's, that, that's what they've got to understand. But at, at the moment, they don't quite get that concept. But it's been, it's been interesting. I think more clubs now, I mean, Cincinnati have now got this massive, great training complex. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been over to America and seen, like, or seen it on Netflix, Dallas Cowboys and the training facilities. And it's, it's frightening what they have over there. It really is, you know. And Cincinnati have just got this new centre now. It's just incredible, you know. It's, it's amazing. So it, there's, there's so much to come from America in terms, of, in terms of football. There really is. The women's team's obviously flying, but the men's, there's a lot to do. But it's, it's interesting, though. I have to say, it's, uh, it's, it's, I've enjoyed my time. I've enjoyed my time. I've been over a couple of times now, and I'm looking forward to getting started. And, you know, everyone's made me feel welcome. And, you know, I think last time I was out, I think the day off, I went downtown to Disney on my day <laughs> off, which, which isn't bad. You know, I just, I just enjoy it. The weather's great. And, you know, I'd, again, like I said, I don't want to get to 55, 60. And I, think, I look back and think, I wish I'd try something different. Because I think that's sometimes where... Some people, I don't know, just sort of stay in there because they're queued off of being in there. Sometimes yeah. it's not all about that. It's about Life's about experiencing experience different things. And and as much as I didn't like what happened in the past, of course I didn't. You know, I'll give myself I'll give a lot of years there. And it just goes to show you sometimes the way football is. It's brutal at times. But yeah. but, but sometimes things happen for a reason. And this this coming up and, and other things I've got going at the moment, I, you know, this sports agency I'm, I'm going to invest in and this and that. You know, it's things like that come up. It wouldn't have done if I'd been in football. So everything happens for a reason. So I'm going to try and enjoy. I'm going to enjoy. Try and enjoy it. As soon as this coronavirus settles down, and I can, you know, having said that, you know, you got you got you got a madman over in the US with a government <laughs> over here. God knows what's going to happen. You know, so you're just hoping the borders open soon and uh, they get they get things in check. And you know, just hope everyone stays healthy. That's the main thing. Um, and nothing's done until everything and everyone is healthy. You know that 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 is that is the be all end all. To be honest, but yeah, it's something different. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. That is for sure. I've enjoyed the last two times over there, and like I said, not like I need a tan, but if I wanted one, I can I can go and get one. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously wish you know wish you all the luck with with that and and um, the bits that you've got going on over here, and, and we also just really appreciate you coming on the show to share your Sky Blue story. I think on behalf of commentary fans and the thousands of Sky Blues Extra podcast listeners, we just really want to thank you for the huge contribution you made while you wore the commentary City shirt. No, do you know what? I, I, thanks, thank you ever so much. I really appreciate that. I, I really do, and, and I and I know I, I enjoyed my time there. I really enjoyed my time there, and I know I worked really hard for the football club and and everyone that was there, you know. And and I, and I genuinely mean that. I really hope Mark has has, has huge success, and I. And I hope the boys compete next year in the championship. And I always do look out for their results because, uh, you know, sometimes people get a bit bitter. No, never, never. Your life's too short. And like I said, commentary game is one of the best days of my life. And, you know, not just playing days, but also just socially and, you know, family ways. So I'll always be grateful to, for what they gave me. And I just wish them all success in the future.
And listeners, don't forget to like, share and comment on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. You can always join in with the conversation by using the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.